0: So, if you've been uh, watching the news or on the web these days, you've most likely become aware of the onslaught of bad news. It seems like it's a lot of bad news. Uh, bombardment of crises and horror from every corner of the globe, a constant flow of cruelty that seems to permeate the atmosphere, and the sadness that runs like a river across the airwaves. Well, today I get good news. So we need some good news, right? Uh, Psalm 46.4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. There is a river. The prophet Ezekiel saw the river of God, what he called the river of life, but he did not see it during good times. Listen to his testimony in Ezekiel 1, 1 through 3. In the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, I mean, this guy's chalking off a wall, you know. As I was among the exiles by the Chabar Canal, the heavens were opened. And I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim, The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the Chabar Canal, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Ezekiel had visions of God's purposes and provisions in the thick of a national crisis for his people. Defeated by the Babylonians and dispersed to the four winds just five years earlier, it was all bad news until God spoke up. This is what God showed to Ezekiel in Ezekiel 47. He brought me back to the door of the temple. Behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water. It was ankle deep. Again he measured a thousand and led me through the water. It was knee deep. And again he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was waist deep. And again he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And I think Ezekiel leaves us with this question. How deep are you willing to go? How deep are you willing to go? How committed are you really willing to get? Even in the worst of times, the river still flows. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? And then he led me back to the bank of the river, and I went back. I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on one side and on the other. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the v- water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. You see, there is a river. Whose streams shall make glad the city of God. Now, for those of you who haven't been over there, you might not understand the scenery that uh, Ezekiel is seeing. What he's seeing is a river that flows from Jerusalem down through the desert and ends up in the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is so filled with uh, salt and chemicals that nothing can live in it nothing but when the river reaches it everything begins to live in the sea it's so much so that fishermen it says and there will be very many fish for this water goes there that the waters of the sea may become fresh so everything will live where the river goes everything will live where the river goes "'Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Anggeti to Anglalam. "'It will be a place for spreading of nets. "'Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. "'But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. "'They are to be left for salt. "'And on the banks on both sides of the river "'there will grow all kinds of trees for food. "'Their leaves will not wither, nor will the fruit never fail.' but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. The picture that we had up earlier, can you put that picture back up on me? This is a a place called the Wadi Agut, and it's a river, a stream that flows from Jerusalem down to the Dead Sea. And I was hiking this place uh, around the year, 2001, and a park ranger found me, and he said, you need to get out of, get out of the wadi. He says, it's raining in Jerusalem. And uh, this is an hour's drive from Jerusalem. And I said, well, what's the big deal? It's not raining here. He said, well, you don't understand all the water that falls in Jerusalem comes down this stream. And I thought, oh, I'd like to see that. He said, well, if you do, it's the last thing you're going to see because <laughs> those boulders probably started about a half mile upstream before one of these flash floods. He said, everything comes down. right? I mean, the, ce- the scenery in this river changes every year after the rainy season. The interesting thing—the scene that you're looking at now—is ankle deep. If you go up a little further, it's knee deep. There are places, Pat, right, waist deep, and places you can swim in, right? I mean, it's perfect—the it's perfect description. It's the—it is the riverbed of the river of life. It dumps directly into the Dead Sea. It's an amazing, amazing place. This is what I believe Ezekiel was looking at in this vision. But the Apostle Paul sets forth a spiritual principle that will be very helpful, helpful for us in understanding prophecy in these end times. In 1 Corinthians 15, 46, he says this, but it is not the spiritual which is first, but the physical, and then the spiritual. So we can assume that when we see natural events Lining up with prophecy, then a spiritual fulfillment is near at hand. Here are some natural events concerning the river that I'm aware of. At the end of the 1967 war, Israel took full possession of Jerusalem and the west bank of the Jordan River. They started a massive irrigation project which dramatically depleted water resources the east bank, the Jordanian side of the river, and if you ever go there, it's like the Israeli side along the Jordan River is like the Garden of Eden. The Jordanian side is like a desert. It's amazing the difference from, and this is not a massive river. You know, at some points it's as wide as this isle, you know, barely a stream, In an ensuing peace treaty with Jordan, Israel agreed to to irrigation rights for Jordan in exchange for exclusive mineral rights to the Dead Sea. This one act resulted in two major events. Number one, the planting of fruit trees along the east bank, which bear crops monthly, and the leaves have medicinal properties. These are harvested by the Jordanians every month. Number two, the creation of salt marshes at the far end of the Dead Sea. Salt marshes did not exist at the Dead Sea in Ezekiel's day, which is in verse 11. Now, it is obvious that the Jordan River does not flow from the Temple Mount, from Mount Herm- Hermon, but this does show that the prophetic activity has already begun in the natural realm. Here's another one, Zechariah 14.4. On that day, his feet, that is the Messiah, shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east. So if you're on the Temple Mount and you look east, the direction that the River of life flows, you will look directly at the Mount of Olives. It blocks your view from seeing the Arabah Desert in the Dead Sea area. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. In other words, there will form a crack going west to east, right down the middle of the Mount of Olives. So if you're standing on the Temple Mount, The Mount of Olives is going to open like a curtain so that you can see the river of life flow down to the Dead Sea. Seismic readings on the Mount of Olives already show a one-inch crack is splitting the Mount right down the middle toward the east. If you ever go there, you can actually find the seismic recorders stretched up and over and down the other side of the Mount of Olives. They are monitoring this fault line right down the middle of the Mount of Olives. So what about the water? One of the things I saw on one of my visits to the Temple Mount, not the one that we went Pat. this was when I took the youth up there, was a drainage hose coming out from the Dome of the Rock Moss. Do you remember that, Martha? We were up there with the kids. A spring has sprung up beneath the dome, and the Muslims are trying to very quietly pump out about 10 gallons a minute from beneath the Temple Mount. They don't want anyone to know it has already begun. The trickle has begun. Hmm? So we can see that the stage has been set for this prophecy to be fulfilled with just one more event, and that is the coming of the Lord. So now let's look at the spiritual significance of the river, Ezekiel 47 again. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from, be- from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces towards the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side, going on eastward of the measuring line in his hand. The m- man measured a thousand cubits and led me through the water and at his ankle deep. Now, right at the outset, we are presented with two important elements. Number one is the door. He led me back to the door of the temple. Number two is the temple itself, or as one version translates it, the house. Which is interesting because Jesus says in John 14, 2, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you? That I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. So the Father's house is prepared for us as a place for us to be where Jesus is, while we are prepared as the temple so that Jesus can be where we are. And the prophet Ezekiel sees all of this prophetically through the ages. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Jesus says in John 10.9, I am the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and go out and find pasture. The interesting thing here is not that there is access in. That's not the point. But that something is coming out. Yes, there is a final destination. Yes, there is a place prepared for you. Yes, there is a door, a way in. Salvation, eternal life. But more than that, when these things are apprehended, something else begins to happen. A flow outward that shows the reality of what has taken place inside. Behold, waters issued out. But take careful note that they do not issue out from the door. They do not issue out from inside the house, but from beneath the threshold, that part which the door is above. For he is the head. I am the door, he is also the head, and we are the body. He is above, we are beneath. And yet out from this place, out from us, there is a flow. Note also the passage past the altar. In Romans 12, 1, 2 it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to the bad news. Do not be conformed to the flow of sadness that's trying to overwhelm the world, the anger and the rage and the cruelty that's taken place. Do not be overwhelmed by the world. Don't be conformed by that, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Remember, there is a river that makes glad the city of God. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. Jesus stated, you can tell what the weather is going to be, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. What are the conditions in the world that are speaking to your heart right now? food shortages, oil and energy prices skyrocketing, closed fisheries, bizarre weather wars and rumors of wars, ISIS, Christians being slaughtered, terror attacks around the globe? Are you discerning the times or just watching the news? Or are you overwhelmed by them? I want to say this to you. Look up. Look up, your redemption is drawing near. That's what the news is telling us, for those who have ears to hear. That's what the latest broadcast in. Look up, your redemption is getting closer. Now look at how Ezekiel's attention and his focus is directed towards the east or eastward, and you may have noted that the eastward reference is given several times in the first three verses. So what is it that he is looking towards? What is it that is drawing the flow of the river? Ezekiel 43, 1 through 6 says this, Afterward he brought me to the gate, even to the gate that looks toward the east. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. The glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. And his voice was like the noise of many waters. And the earth shined with his glory. And it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision that I saw when I came to destroy the city. And the vision were like the vision that I saw by the river Chabah. And I fell upon my face. And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is toward the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. And I heard him speaking unto me out of the house, and the man stood by me. So we see that it isn't just some random glance. This is an attraction, like deep calling unto deep. It's the glory of the Lord, but there is something more to it, something that's almost familiar. Listen, and his voice, his voice, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. His voice is like the sound of many waters. His voice is like the sound of that river as it flows out into the dry and thirsty land to minister healing to the nations. But you see, there is more than just an attraction. There's a recognition, a connection, identification with the sound of his voice because it flows through us. Revelation 19:4, And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen and Alleluia. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants. Are you his servants? Praise your God, you who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters. Our voice, our corporate voice, sounds like his voice magnified. And like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory draws out of the bride the very thing he has deposited in her. John seven thirty seven. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. I want to read to you a piece of commentary from the theologian J.B. Lightfoot on John 37-39. through He states this, The last day, that great day of the feast, the eighth day, According to Leviticus 23:39 it was a sabbath the last feast day of the year and distinguished by very remarkable ceremonies the generally joyous character of this feast broke out on this day into loud jubilation particularly at the solemn moment when the priest as was done on every day of this festival brought forth in golden vessels water from the stream of Siloah, which flowed under the temple mountain and solemnly poured it upon the altar. Then the words of Isaiah 12.3 were sung, With joy shall we draw water out of the wells of salvation, and thus the symbolic reference of this act, intimated in John 7.39, was expressed. So ecstatic was the joy with which this ceremony was performed accompanied with the sound of trumpets that it used to be said whoever had not witnessed it had never seen rejoicing at all. Wow. And here's something I found interesting. What was the river, singular in Ezekiel under the Old Testament, has suddenly become the rivers, plural, in Christ under the new covenant. And they, the rivers, are like life-producing because their waters are healed from the source. If any man thirst, come unto me and drink, and out of his belly will flow rivers, rivers, plural. Oh, church, listen, the glory, the river of God, is coming. And Ezekiel saw it coming. In Ezekiel 43, 4 and 5, And the glory of the Lord came into the house, into the church, by the way of the gate, whose prospect by way of the door. The glory comes into the house, into the church, by way of Jesus Christ. I am the door whose prospect is towards the east, always looking to the glory of the Father. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled this house. Filled that house. Revelation 1.10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice, A great voice. God wants to speak to his church. And more than that, he wants to speak through his church. Remember, his voice is as the sound of many waters. Jesus said we are clean through the word which he has spoken to us. Ephesians 5.26 says that Jesus sanctifies and cleanses the church by the washing of the water of his word. And his word flows through us like a river of life to gush out on dry and thirsty world that is being overwhelmed and overrun by sin and darkness. But we are not of this world. All through chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation, Jesus makes promises to those who overcome. Not once does he make a promise to those who are overwhelmed. There are some tough choices to be made, but he's given us everything which pertains to life and godliness. There is a right and a righteous response to every situation. It may not always be painless or costless, but the issue is, is it right? Jesus at Gethsemane, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus found the river of life flowing in a tomb. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found the river flowing in a fiery furnace, and they were willing to be swept away by its flow before they ever saw the fourth man in the flames. Yet the situation's may be overwhelming. Yes, the flames may be hot and fearful. And yes, the price of truthfulness and honesty will be high in these last days, but God's promises are steadfast and sure. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, and I'll close with this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful Doesn't matter what's going on around you. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Jump in the river. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come like a river and fill this house with glory, O God. The darkness gets darker, O God. Your glory gets brighter. Today, Lord, we look up. We set aside the things of this world, we set aside the cares of our lives, oh God, and we look up. We open our ears to hear the sound of your voice, the sound of the river, oh God, and we look for its flow. We look towards the east, we look for the glory, oh God. We look for all the promises that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, and we say, Father, Bless your heart through your people. Let your river flow, O oh God, in and through us, O oh God, and out into the community. Bless your people that we might be a people that rise above all that is besetting the world around us, O oh God. That we can be somebody's answer to some dilemma, to some crisis. Lord, that we can be a affirming word, a comforting hug, a hearty handshake, O oh God, a prayer or a blessing, a healing or a deliverance, Lord, manifesting the glory of Jesus Christ, O oh God, in having words for people that will cause them to rise above the mundane of their lives. Clothe us with righteousness, O God, so that we shine all the more obvious and brighter in the darkness around us, O God. Lord, as the evangelist said, light us on fire so people will come to watch me burn. Perhaps still hear the sound of your river, O God. So we say, come, Holy Spirit. We bless you. Bless you. I want to make a particular invitation for prayer today. Considering your spiritual feet, maybe they're dry because they've not stepped into the river at all. Maybe you're just wet to the ankles or to the knees or to the waist. I really sense the Lord is saying He's looking for those who are willing to jump in. Just jump in, let the river carry you. It's no longer a time to be playing on the shore, waiting around at the kiddie pool end. There's a flow that wants to captivate your hearts. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to draw you in. So I'd like to pray with you today. If you want to go further with the Lord, if you want to get deeper in the river, if you want to say to the Lord, listen, I surrender all. I lay my my life on the altar, oh God. It's a living sacrifice. Catch me away. Lord. Bring me into the glory. I'd like to pray with you today. I'm going to have any prayer team members up here. If you'd like prayer for that, deeper experience with the Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to come up. Otherwise, you can be dismissed. The Lord bless you and keep you. And may his glory and the sound of his voice captivate your heart.